Should have been a singer. I am aware of that. But uh, me and Bullet are chilling. Bullet? Nope. Don't want to say anything. He's on the cat tree. Uh, I just want to welcome y'all to episode 115, and we will just get right into the show. Why am I uh, Dracula? I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm in a weird mood. I got home from work. I'm silly. Um, but yeah, let's just jump into this next guest, shall we? Alright guys, back again. Um, so again, I, I've said this at nauseum, Podmatch has just been a really, just an amazing tool for, for me to find guests and I continue to just find great people and um, I reached out to this guy I don't know, about a week or so ago and <clears throat> I read his story, it was kind of heartbreaking because I've seen what he went through and you know, I, as I told him just a minute ago, the irony is, you know, the episode I just put out with Becca, who has Tourette's, he has the same condition, um, but in a different way and he's going through different things than she has and um, you know, I know he goes through a lot, but getting to know him a little bit here, he's very positive and, and, you know, the fact that he can laugh is, is, <laughs> is kind of what I really appreciate most about people with disabilities and how we can just continue to overcome and find ways to have some sort of joy in life. Um, so yeah, you want to introduce yourself, buddy, and just tell a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. My name is Fish Lee. They call me Mr. Fish online. I am the head dude at Mr. Fish Comics. I am a freelance comic illustrator now. It has become my full-time job. Uh, I've managed to build a full-time career around my disability, which is awesome. And I also get to live out my childhood dream of drawing comic books all day long, which is a lot of fun. That's pretty cool. And uh, in the last, about just at four years ago, like four years ago, like last month, I published my own comic book, T-Man and Hyperstrike about a superhero team with Tourette syndrome and ADHD that did so well that in the ensuing time between I've done over 30 books for other people. And, uh, I am just now right now on Kickstarter. I've got my own book going out green zone life in the blocks. And if it does well, by the end of this year, I will be able to make a living just doing my own books. Awesome. And I'm super excited about that. That's like beyond the dream right there. That's awesome. Um, before we get more into your story, this is you're probably the perfect person to ask this. I mean, not that you like know the inside, but do you think like X Men were kind of built around like people with disabilities? Because it seems like they almost it, it's like similar. Like I know they're called mutants. I think and freaks, it but, was completely unintentional. Right. But I think X Men has become this perfect vessel because they are this fantasy thing, yeah. you know, that nobody really identifies with. Everybody can identify with it. And if you have been, if you felt different or felt like you were an outsider because of your disability or your race or your you know, ethnic background or being an exchange student from out of the country or because you're gay or trans or whatever, you've been able to identify with that feeling of being an outsider. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a beautiful accidental thing. And I treasure that, that everybody can see themselves in that in some way. And I think it's absolutely beautiful. 
Yeah, I just, I just kind of, I've always wondered about that. Like, as I, you know, I've, I've, I'm not like super into comics, but I, I know enough about the world, and and obviously I watch a lot of the movies, and you know, know enough about the shows mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, X Men was always one that stood out to me because it just seems like they, it, it just seems like a place like you know, like where people with disabilities could kind of and like fall into. I see it a lot like that community with disabilities because in it you have people that embrace the things that make them different than everybody else. You have people that hate the things that make them different. You have people on the outside looking down at you as less than like I have identified in the same way with it Mm -hmm. because of my Tourette syndrome and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I've seen the same things that you're talking about and it's it's Um, deep and it's complex. And professor X is in a wheelchair. Yeah. And a lot of those themes are working their way into my book, too. Like, a lot of the story elements are coming straight out of stuff with my experience in the Tourette's community and, you know, being disabled and the way people look at me from the outside and all this stuff. No, it's good. I mean, we do have, like, Daredevil, and there's there's certain ones that that do you know, bring us into that world, but it, not enough. And it's, it's good that I'm yeah. very proud of you. I'm glad you're, you're in this and you're doing what you're doing. Um, but obviously before we really like kind of get into your comic world, that's kind of what you're doing now. Like, um, Tourette's, is that something for you? Is that something you were diagnosed with? Um, yeah, know? I mean, you're born with it, right. but I am one of the, one of the more unusual cases where when I was a child, it was much more mild and it got more severe as I got older. And I know several, I know many other adults that got more severe as they got older, like me. And a lot of us like don't get diagnosed until we're adults. Because when I was a kid, my tics were things so mild, like rubbing the corners of my mouth, rubbing my nose, repeating things I heard on TV, stuttering, holding my breath, tugging at the hems of my shirt like little things that didn't rise to the level of this is a condition we need to look into you know i wasn't uncontrollably swearing or barking like a dog or thrashing on the floor right and it was just subtle stuff you know and like a lot of people have very mild Tourette's and if they play it off as allergies and they sniff and they blink and you know cough a little and which has been a lot of fun through COVID, let me tell you. <laughs> right. It also has a lot of similarities to like OCD because there's people, you know, who have to wash their mm-hmm. hands 20 times. Obviously, yours is more extreme because it can actually hurt. Oh, you. yeah. And and there are OCD ticks and there's pure Tourette's ticks and, and most of us have OCD too. And nowadays, almost everybody gets an autism uh, diagnosis as well. And like there's a lot of comorbidity and a lot of overlap in the way our brains are wired that you know, causes a lot of issues. When I was a kid, the autistic tendencies and stuff gave me so much more trouble. Like I could not read social cues. I could not tell when people were lying or making fun of me. I didn't know how to make friends. Like this whole social interaction thing Mm -hmm. was a foreign language and I didn't know how to speak it. And it took my whole life to like learn how to copy it and mimic it until I got good enough that I could kind of speak it and understand it. Every once in a while, I still mess up, but I'm a whole lot better now than I used to be. Yeah. Me and my friend Julia were talking about how COVID has basically made people's, I mean, now it's everything's kind of opened up again, but in the very beginning, it kind of made people's lives similar to people with disabilities. Like we didn't go out as much and we didn't associate. We have to, you know, you had to stay home. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it was kind of funny to, 
a lot of people in the disability community because these people are complaining that they have to spend time at home with their families and friends. And it's like, wow, welcome to our lives. You know? Oh yeah. It was like three months before I really noticed it start to get to me because it was, you know, it was that long before, like, it's been a long time since I've seen my friends and I've played with their kids and, you know, played drums at church and all the things that I was, you know, the little bit of social interaction that I got to get out and do. And, you know, just being at home all day, every day, I was used to that. Right. But it took about three months before I really started to climb the walls. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody has to, um, would you, would you, I am, you know, I'm sure it is, but like, would you, I don't know. Would you say that the, the biggest misconception with people with autism is the fact that, or not autism, Jesus, I can't even speak today, uh, with Tourette's is that, you know, you all don't just curse. Cause it seems like that's the one thing that everyone like associates with you guys. That's, that you curse all the time. That is the popular one. Right. And admittedly when Gil Del Tourette's, whatever his name was, like first identified it, it was with a group of people that were swearing uncontrollably. So like it's got, you know, it, it does happen. It is 10% of the population with Tourette's has corporalia, which is the subcondition that makes us yell out inappropriate things, which can be anything from cuss words or racial slurs to yelling out yellow rubber tugboat in the middle of Walmart, mm-hmm. which I'm a lot more prone to do. Um, I didn't realize that that counted as inappropriate until I was talking with one of the specialists. <laughs> yeah. And um, and she's like, your corporalia is so interesting. And I was like, I don't have that. She's like, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> but it's it's... Ten percent. I mean, that's still one in ten of us, which isn't nothing. But that's no, not no. all the disease is. That's like, like I said earlier to you beforehand. That's like saying, "Oh, cancer is the disease where your hair falls out." Right. Well, some people with cancer take treatments that makes their hair fall out, but that's not the same thing. No, no, no. I saw it on TV. It makes your hair fall out. Right. There's a lot more to it than just swearing. I like to explain to people when I first meet them. I don't even use the word Tourette's at first. I explained that I have a neurological condition and the wiring in my brain is different. The It's like the insulation on the wires is too thin. So I get a lot of cross signals and sometimes it's just random ticks and jerks or I'll make faces that I don't realize I'm doing. Sometimes I'll make sounds. Sometimes I'll yell out random things that I don't mean to. Yeah. You don't realize just how little control, how little active control we have over what we say until you start spitting out the wrong name or something, you know, we don't think about how to shape our mouth for each vowel and syllable that we're going to say. We just think of the words and they shoot out. Right. Well, if you're getting a misfire in your brain, the wrong things can shoot out. Yeah. And so they're listening this whole time. As I explain my condition, the kind of things that makes me do, then I tell them that I have Tourette syndrome. And now they've been listening all this time. And now they hear Tourette's, not they hear Tourette's, and then they shut down, they don't listen. Because I know what that is. I watched Deuce Bigelow. That's where you swear. Right. And it's a lot more complex than that. You know, for a lot of people, they just sniff and cough and, you know, blink. Uh, for some people like me that are more severe, they might be in wheelchairs or in walkers and uh, need help getting dressed and feeding themselves. And, you know, I have given myself so many concussions over the years by shaking so violently that if I shake my head no too hard, I will give myself another concussion. And like, I have to be very careful when I act out 
how severe my Tourette's used to be. I cannot shake my head when I do it, or I will be in bed for the next three days with that horrible, horrible headache from the concussion. And yeah, I think that's one part. The it's physical part. Serious ramifications. The physical part is what I learned so much about when I was interviewing my friend Becca, where she she talked about she would mm-hmm. just hit herself a lot, or she would she would put herself oh, in yeah. danger. Like she she saw a puddle that she had to jump in, but that puddle was in the middle of a highway, and it's it's mm-hmm. it's just that's the stuff to me that's very that gets lost in the shuffle when people talk about Tourette's because even even if they get past the cursing, they know the ticks and, and that stuff. They know the verbal cues, but they don't know anything about the physical stuff where you're actually hurting yourself. Um, oh just, yeah. Just, I mean, there's yeah. so many people that like I've chipped my teeth by gritting my mouth so hard. Mm-hmm. I, you know, hit myself so many times. My back is in shambles from all the times that I have fallen down and got injured over the years. Like, I mean, I literally cannot stand for more than about 20 minutes before I'm just in agony so badly that I can't even see straight anymore. And you know, it, I'm in constant pain all the time, which is another wonderful thing about the disease. You know, our nerves are cranked up so high yeah. that for me, you know, we have a premonitory urge that sometimes it's like a buzzing or like ants crawling on your nervous system before the tick comes out of your arm or your neck or your legs and you can feel that tingling in your leg. For me, that is my whole body all the time. Every day, it's just burning my nerves constantly. And it hurts all the time, every day. And I've learned to live with it. I've learned to cope with it. Every once in a while, it gets so bad that I just want to crawl out of my skin and run away. But I can't. So I live with it. And I try and focus on the positive things that I've got going and not get caught up dwelling and mourning over the things that I can't do. I mean, you have to mourn the things that you lost. You have to accept those things and be sad, but you have to move on. You can't just sit there and dwell in it. You know, if I just dwelt on the fact that I am probably never going to go kayaking again, then I don't get to be here for my kids and focus on spending time with them and loving them and going to their games and going to the band recitals and rejoice in, you know, this book that I just produced on my own and people are excited about. And, you know, I would miss out on all this great stuff if I was just focused all the time on the handful of things that I'm lost, you know? Right. Yeah. Is is there... Um, I mean, I think what makes, you know, especially someone like you is so amazing is that, like I said, you, you, you have to, you know, put that stuff to rest, but you somewhere deep down when you're at your like worst and you're really feeling sorry for yourself, you find some sort of beauty out of it and you turn it into what you're turning into with your comics. Um, mm-hmm. so is there any way you can kind of, whether slow down or, you know, just like keep the, the ticks. I, I know it's a stupid question, but is there any way to keep the, the, the ticks from getting worse? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Is there any way for me to slow down and what now? Like with your ticks, like is there any way to keep? Because again, you, you, giving yourself concussions and hurting yourself the way you are, is there any way to keep your these ticks from just coming out more than than normal? Because obviously, you don't want to have concussions every day. That is that is something that I'm really grateful that after I got diagnosed. Because like I said, I didn't get diagnosed till I was 30. Like I was on crutches in a wheelchair couldn't work anymore, often couldn't feed myself, couldn't get dressed by myself anymore before I finally got diagnosed. 
And um, so that was tough. But after I got diagnosed and I got into the online community and started meeting other people with Tourette's and met other adults with severe Tourette's, I was lucky enough to have a couple of people come alongside of me and offer me advice and help that had been through this for a while and had learned things that worked for them. And, you know, I learned things that would help. I tried all the medications and found a mix that helped. I've figured out the things that I need for my body to, to ease my ticks as much as possible, like getting plenty of rest eating every day regularly, um, you know, getting exercise. So like I have alarms set during the day to remind me to eat lunch and stuff because I will get busy and forget. Mm -hmm. And, and the biggest thing they taught me was to learn to like surf the waves of the Tourette's and work with it and not try and just stand in the ocean and fight against the waves because they will overwhelm you and swamp you and take you down. But if I, learn to surf the waves and let that tick come through and not fight it then i have like that one tick right now and then we go back to normal and the next one will come through and i'll let it out and go it's when i try and fight it that it builds up and it overwhelms me and then next thing you know i'm thrashing around and i can't speak and i can't move and i can't you know it all piles up on me you know occasionally it's worth it. Like if you're in the middle of church and suddenly you got some horrible swear words that are about to come out of your mouth, like holding my mouth shut and being blind by the end of church and having to have my wife lead me out and I can't drive home and everybody's feeling sorry for me. It's better in that moment that I probably didn't scream out all these obscenities in front of a bunch of kids. I'll take the hit that time. The rest of the time, forget about it. I'm letting it come through. Um, you know, but learning those kind of things, like taking care of myself, surfing the waves, that has helped me live with it instead of being overwhelmed by it, you know, and in a way I'm still crippled by it. There's still a lot of things that I can't do, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes even as good as I'm doing now, sometimes I still have to take a scooter at Walmart to get around, but my life is so much better now and I'm so much happier now. and. Yeah, and I didn't let it crush me and it crushes so many people and it breaks my heart yeah, it's here. one reason I'm glad I didn't get diagnosed until I was older because I knew how awesome I was I knew how valuable I was I knew what a talented artist I was and storyteller and friend and how creative I was I knew all this stuff before I found out I had an incurable neurological disease that was never going to go away you know if you had told me that at 13, I probably wouldn't have made it. You know, I, I would have gotten overwhelmed in my teenage years when everything's so overdramatic anyway. And, you know, I probably wouldn't still be here, but I praise God that I found out about it when I was later in life. And I already knew how cool I was and what I had to offer the world. And if I have to offer it from a wheelchair, sometimes so be it. I'm still pretty cool when I'm shaking in a wheelchair. Yeah. (laughs) The end of the world. But you said something like it, it is really easy to get stuck like underneath yeah. all the pain and sadness because there is it life can be so hard. Like I, I was even just the other day, like I was trying to like figure out a way to get more Instagram followers just to get more notoriety just so I can share these podcasts and so on. And, 
you know, I'm looking mm-hmm. at advice and stuff. And I could, one of the things they said, you know, you should kind of put something next to your name, like, you know, disability advocate, different things. So I'm like, okay. And I go to sign in or I go to do it. And they're like, well, you have to sign to your Facebook. Well, I don't know my password and it won't let me reset. And I'm at a point where I'm like, can anything just go right? And, it, and this is all, this is a very small thing, but I'm so, but I'm so frustrated and I'm so, I'm just like, really like my life is hard enough. I don't want to deal with this shit. Like, can you just sign into my stupid Facebook already? I get it. There's people stealing accounts, but my God, like, and you, you get, and this is just a very small thing, but I was annoyed so much. And if you take that in a bigger scale where everything, you know, when it rains, it pours, when there's so much bad things that are thrown on you and you have to try to climb out of this debris, it's, it's. It's it's easier just to lay there and not get up, and oh, yeah. a lot of people don't get up, and that's that's what's so obviously awesome about you. But yeah, like you said earlier, it's very sad when you see these people struggling, and you know, like the energy that they are putting into their life is just simply to go to the store or something that's just mundane. It's not like this is just their life. They're not even going to try to try to pull themselves out, and it's like, man, like yeah, that's why like we need that's- representation like you. That's why I did the T-Man and Hyperstrike book. I met so many adults in my advocacy work and going to, you know, conventions and, you know, things and meeting other people with adult, other adults with Tourette's. I met so many people like, you know, from 19 to 50 that won't go grocery shopping, won't go outside, don't have jobs because they're so terrified, you know, that the kids from middle school are still going to be out there picking on them and making fun of them. And, you know, and I was ticking severely at the time. I never saw these people tick and we set each other off like crazy. If you could stand in front of me with Tourette's and not be making a scene while you're looking at me, you've got your stuff pretty well under control. And, you know, but, but you can't get past that fear and that damage that the bullies did when they were young. And I don't know how to fix a 50 year old woman that, you know, is afraid to go to the grocery store, but I figured the best chance I had was to try and get to the kids before they get there and encourage them and help them focus on what makes us awesome. And that's the whole point was the whole point behind T man was he is the living embodiment of everybody in the world with Tourette syndrome. So yeah, he has all of our combined motor and vocal tics and he shouts with a thousand words at one time and can knock down monsters and he shakes so violently he can bust through a bank vault, but he also has all of our combined brilliance and creativity and strength and speed. And, you know, he can lift the tank because of all of our combined strength. And he taps into this combined strength all the time. And in the book, they end up helping this little girl, you know, find the strength to accept herself and accept her Tourette syndrome and be a hero in her own right. And, you know, I completely designed this to be as inspiring as I could. I still was not ready for the the response I got from kids all over the world and, you know, getting messages and videos of kids jumping up and down on the couch, laughing and crying and so excited that they saw one of their ticks in the book and they got to help T-Man. And I just, it was so humbling to see the way they were encouraged by that. And I hope and pray that it gives them enough courage to realize that they are awesome and they are special because yeah, we have some issues going against us. Yeah. We're shaky and we're twitchy and we make a lot of noise, 
but we're also super creative and we're super brilliant. We've got fast reflexes and we make great musicians and drummers and athletes and actors and all kinds of wonderful things. And I like to just think of, you know, the ticks as our bodies, they're just burning off all the extra awesomeness inside. And if I can get that in their head, maybe that will help them, you know, not let the world beat them down quite so much. Yeah. Well, I think you're in the perfect business because any, any kid that's down, like the downtrodden kids that just been bullied and picked on and like, but people in general, like a lot of, especially the way the world is right now, there's so much negative shit going on. We tend to want to, mm-hmm. we want to live in other worlds, whether it's our dream world, whether it's a show. Cause like for me, I love watching shows and when the show's over, it sucks because I can't recreate that alternate world, whether it's like game of Thrones <laughs> or, or whatever. I am. I love being in that world because it's so unrealistic and it's just awesome. And, and comics, including the movies and, and the books, um, you know, it's, it, you get like, I remember watching uh, daredevil when it was on Netflix and it's just like, you get lost in this world. And like, yeah, I, I, I didn't believe that like, my blindness or my, you know, I'm not totally blind, but my blindness could be like his and I have powers and I can fight, but it, it, it was cool to see someone, even though he's not totally blind, it was like, it's cool that that superhero even exists. And just to get lost in, in his alternate universe where you're just like, man, like this world is so cool, even though there's a lot of bad things going on there too, and a lot of action and so on. But it's like, there's someone there to save the day. And it's just, you can envision yourself in those you know, costumes and so on. And, and for you to like, mm-hmm. show representation of, of people with Tourette's is great because you know how many of those kids have been dying to see someone, you know, we, we talk oh. about in this country where it's like, well, there's not enough black superheroes. Well, there's none mm-hmm. with Tourette's. So like, we're, <laughs> we're not even like, you know, so the fact that you're creating these alternate, you know, I'm sure at some point you'll, you'll even delve into other disabilities and, and, you know, you'll make your own universe. And it's, it's just like that type of stuff is so good because yeah, there's these kids that are just, they go they go to school get picked on they come home they get picked on because whether it's their family or online bullying and then but they can they can shut that off by putting their headphones on and watching or reading a comic or whatever and just getting lost in like in your books and just saying like this is i feel safe now and that that's something that is 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 so underrated for what you know, especially mm-hmm. young kids. Because if I had that as a kid, I had music and I was in Ninja, Ninja Turtles and Batman and things like that. And it just, it got me through my days of just being sad and in pain and angry. And so, yeah, I love, mm-hmm. what, I love what you're doing. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. Um, when, when you actually were like told and you could comprehend everything of like what you have, like what kind of realization that is to realize like how fucked up a brain can become? Because it's like, it, 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 it <laughs> It's psychological, like when you think of, because our, our bodies are so screwed up as it is. Like if one thing goes wrong, your whole body can go mm-hmm. haywire. But in your case, like, you know, when, when I was talking to it Becca. It really goes haywire. Yeah. yeah. When it's, I was talking to Becca, she was talking about how she'll say something racist or like, you know, she'll just say penis for no reason. And it's like, because we can kind of control our brains on what comes out. We have filters, like the average person. Mm-hmm. But for you, you'll say stuff that's not even on your brain and it makes no sense for you to say. And they're like. That is so hard to comprehend as and a person who doesn't do that. We don't think about, you know, we don't think about how little control we really have over what we say. Like, you know, a lot of times we'll get to rambling and then realize, oh, wait a minute, I really shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but we were thinking faster than we were thinking about what we were thinking. And it just comes out. You're not thinking this is the word I'm going to say next. You just, it comes out. And so other things can come out too. And like, sometimes that's, you know, like 
there's all those thoughts that you think when like you, your sister-in-law walks in and you're like, well, I know I'm not supposed to mention that she didn't get rid of the baby weight and, you know, her parents divorce and that the kids used to make fun of her for her ears sticking out. You think about all these things that you're not supposed to talk about when she's there. If you're stressing out about these things that you hope you don't say, that can misfire real quick and it crossed lines and there it comes out your mouth. And, you know, it, and that's why a lot of times with corporal Ollie, it, it can be the things that you want to say the very least. But the more we worry about it, like that's one thing I had to learn myself is I cannot let myself start to get obsessed and stressed over what I might say, because then it's going to become a tick. And, you know, I, even if I say something really stupid and really insulting, sometimes I just apologize and I don't let myself obsess over it because I don't need it becoming a permanent tick that I yell out every day for the next three years you know? Right. Because you, you have this like pureness to you. Like you're, you're very, you know, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but then you come because yeah. people have always tried to hurt your feelings for what you go through. And if you just come out and say something racist or homophobic or whatever, and people are just going to look at you like, Hey, you know, like this guy's a piece of shit. And, and you don't want that mm-hmm. because you know, you, you got enough problems in your life. You don't need people hating you or wanting to fight you or whatever. Um, and it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be like a really hard realization to just like take in where you're like, and that's the other thing that like people get upset about people in the Tourette's community even get really upset about Kulkalali and they're like, it's only 10%. That's not part of our, it's not really part of it. It's its own little thing, which really makes the people that suffer with it feel like outcasts in their own community. But like nobody has ever gotten mad at me for being in a wheelchair. Nobody has ever threatened to beat me up because I yell out yellow rubber tugboat in the middle of Walmart or screamed hot potato in a restaurant. But if you cuss at somebody, you are hardwired to get mad. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter what their excuse is after they yelled it out. You know, like after, after summer camp one time, a whole bunch of us, you know, that had gone taking our kids to Tourette's summer camp, were meeting at a, a little, uh, CC's pizza and we're yipping and yelping and potent and having up, you know, and the owners know that we're coming every year after camp. Mm-hmm. and everything but some of the kids you know were yelling out racial slurs and some people got really upset and it became really heated really fast and a lot of us parents were getting you know standing in between these very angry adults from one side and the kids from the other side that they're wanting to rip their heads off yeah. and it didn't matter how much we explained that it was Tourette syndrome the people even repeated it themselves but they weren't hearing it they were angry. This, these people are yelling insults at us and they're furious and they wanted to take their heads off. Right. And like, I listened to this lady repeat the word Tourette's three times. Like, doesn't matter. I don't care if they have Tourette's. It doesn't matter if they have Tourette's. And then later on, after everything calmed down, she was like, well, if somebody would have just told me they had Tourette's, that would have been <laughs> one thing. Yeah. She said it herself, but she couldn't hear it because she was furious right. because it causes that reaction. Nobody yeah. gets mad that I can't see. And, you know, nobody gets mad that I'm blind. I have to get led around by my wife that's 15 inches shorter than me, and, you know, to get out of church. Nobody gets mad about that. But right. that really sets people off. And before you can have a chance to explain, like I, I used to always go outside wearing shirts that had some kind of joke about Tourette syndrome on there to explain what I had, 
let people know I was okay with it. I have a sense of humor. You can come up and talk to me about it if you want to. And when they would see me thrashing and jerking, you know, in the canned food aisle, they would see the shirt and be like, okay, he's not a danger. I don't need to call 911. And they could go on about their business and not freak out. And, you know, it's, it's really hard. I've got friends with more severe corporality than I have. And, you know, they've gotten decked and attacked. One dude, a good friend of mine from Memphis, man, he had some dudes try and run him down on his bicycle in their truck, like totaled his bike. And it was brutal. But, you know, he's a skinny black kid riding down the road, yelling out racial slurs and a couple redneck boys came by and tried to take him out for it. And, that's his everyday life, man. It's tough. Well, a lot of these words that they're so deep seated in, in our history. And, yeah. And, you know, and, and people, there are people who will never say the words, but people will still think they're racist just because the color of their skin mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, oh and, yeah. And they don't. Un- yeah. And no, it's unfortunate. People see me and see this white guy. They don't think about two of my kids are Filipino. My daughter-in-law is black. My grandkids are black. Like they don't, they don't know that. They just see right. some big white dude and make assumptions real quick about who I am. Right. Yeah. And and a lot of those words really like they trigger people on, on a certain level. Like mm-hmm. you said, with rage it's, and, and your adrenaline's up, it's hard to get past that. That's why you see some people just. You are not shit. listening to explanations at that moment. No. You're mad. Yeah. And you know that I I am too when that happens to me. You know, I, I get, I'm not listening sometimes. That's and I have. I have more trouble with echolalia, which is a subcondition that causes you to repeat things that you hear. You know, like I said, when I was a kid, I used to repeat stuff on TV all the time, which lots of kids do. I just couldn't stop it when I wanted to. And, um, I still struggle with it. So like, I, I am more careful about like the language and movies that I watch because I know I'm going to repeat it. Like I don't watch movies like, you know, the one about Jackie Robinson that came out a few years ago or Selma. I don't watch these things because I know there's going to be words in it that I don't need to be stuck repeating. And, you know, so I skip a lot of movies specifically because I know there's going to be words in it. Oh, you that's, know? Yeah, that's fascinating. I never really considered that. Like yeah, there's certain terminology, even modern turn out, terminology that's negative. And if you just, if you never learn it, you can't say it. So that's that's yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah, I didn't never even thought about something like that. I mean, it, it sucks because we're we're at this time now, especially like with with the media has to portray everything negatively. So everybody's on mm-hmm. guard. Whereas you know somebody does something, you know, obviously you got the police and all this, but there's so much going on. There's so many distractions. That's why they they love to talk so much about the Oscars and all these different things because they're distractions from what's really going on. And the reality is, like, yeah. you know, I've said so many times, black and white people get along all the time. It's just, we're, we, if you watch the, the news, you would think we hate each other. We've never gotten along. And mm-hmm. it, because it doesn't sell, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, get ratings. And, and it's unfortunate because someone like you has to suffer who is completely innocent in this. And, and unfortunately, your condition triggers these horrible things out of you. And there are people that yeah. that hurts their feelings. If they're, they're at lunch, they're eating. And they're with their kids, and you're just saying horrible racist shit to them. Not to them, but saying it out loud. And it's like, really? I got to deal with this shit? 
And mm-hmm. they don't know what you're going through. And and even when you say Tourette's, again, it goes back to what we were, you know, all the misconceptions. Like, people don't really think, like, you just say racist shit. They just think that you're using it just to say those words. I'm sure some people probably think mm-hmm. you're faking it. Oh, yeah. And nothing, nothing aggravates me more than when people are like, oh, I wish I had Tourette's. I could just say whatever I want to say. Right. It is not fun. Like I am in pain every day and you know, on my best day I am in pain. And you know, every time in there, a guy I've known for years, we're at lunch at McDonald's and he says that to me as we're waiting in line, you know, and the place is packed and I'm like, okay, right now, get out the N word at the top of your lungs. And he's like, were you crazy? You know what? Come on. It's fun. Do it right now. And he's just looking at me like I'm an idiot. I was like, yeah, if it was me and that happened, I wouldn't get a choice in it. It would be out of my mouth before I knew what happened. And there's a lot of times that like, if I'm not paying attention, I don't even know what I yelled out sometimes. And, you know, I was like, I know a whole lot of people that have no control over that at all. Puppy. Oh, yeah, it's about a half ounce of guard dog. It thinks she's... Yeah, I, I can tell. It sounds like a very yeah. small dog. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Very small dog with a very big attitude. Just like, like, have you, have you ever had the, like, cause we, look, we like to self sabotage ourselves and, and especially people with disabilities. We go through so much and, and there's times, no matter how much good you're doing, like you were saying earlier with your comics, like even though you're doing good and you're reaching people, there's still times where you kind of take yourself down a peg. Um, do you ever like when you have those, where you like verbal cues where you say racist stuff or whatever, do you ever like come back to yourself and go like, wow, am I racist? Like, am I a piece of shit? Because these things are deep into my brain, even though I have no control. Oh man. I see, I really struggled with that before I found out I had Tourette syndrome because like, it's weird to say, but like the little town that I grew up in when I was little in Oklahoma, I didn't realize it when I was a kid, but the town was like still segregated. There were no black people in the town. So I was never really exposed to racism as a kid because there weren't any, there wasn't anybody around. And, you know, now looking back, I remember like hints of things that I might've heard some adults say somewhere, but I wasn't exposed to it as a little kid. When my parents got divorced, I moved to Stillwater, Oklahoma, which, you know, was a college town, had people from all over the world. So all of a sudden, like, you know, American kids are in the minority, you know, there'd be like three of us from America in a class of 20 and everybody else is from Sudan and Afghanistan and Turkey and all over the world. So it it wasn't really an issue there either because everybody was from someplace else. So it wasn't until I moved to South Arkansas, like in junior high that I was real like actual real like racism. I just hate these people because they're different than me. And which I found hard to understand because the, the town I was in was like three quarters black. I was like, how, how is the minority of people here still feeling superior to everybody else? Yeah. But that's my like autistic brain. It didn't make sense to me. But anyway, yeah. I didn't get exposed to it till then. So I was always like, you know, this is ridiculous. How are you judging somebody? You know, you don't know this person. How do you know anything about them to be mad at them already? And I would be so furious at the ridiculousness of this racism that I kept seeing all around me. And then, 
you know, I get 16, I'm driving a car, a lady cuts me off in front of me. And the first thing I yelled out was you stupid. And I was like, and it shot out of my mouth before I could even think about what I was saying. And I was like, I don't say things like this, but I had been surrounded by it for so long. I'd been steeped in it. It was all around me, no matter how much I tried to fight it, you know, in that moment when I was angry at this lady for cutting me off, this thing shot out of my mouth and I was shocked and I was furious at myself. And I started thinking, am I, am I a racist piece of shit? Like all these other people around me and I didn't realize it. Like it really ate me up until I realized, you know, as an adult looking back, realizing that I've got this condition that makes me repeat things that I hear, especially the more I hear them. And, you know, it's, I can look back at, you know, that struggling young boy with more grace now than I could look at myself then in the moment. But it's still tough, you know, like, I mean, like my grandbabies that I love with all my heart are going to grow up to be beautiful black men. And I have, you know, I worry about saying things. I worry about ticking things in front of them that would hurt their feelings, hurt their self-confidence growing up. I don't want to do anything but feed love, happiness, joy, you know, self-assurance into these boys. You know, I worry all the time. Like, why I don't watch a whole lot of these movies anymore and stuff because I want to keep this stuff as far out of my head so that I don't end up repeating something because like I said, my corporalia doesn't often make me yell out something inappropriate, but my echolalia will like hearing something and repeating it. I will do a lot more often. So I keep a, a tight watch on the things, the type of TV shows that I watch and the things that they say in them and stuff, because I don't, wanted to shoot out of my mouth later, you know, and hurt the kids that I love or my daughter-in-law or anybody in my family. Yeah. I think uh, the reason why I asked that is just because I I know a lot of people, you know, you can get into an argument with somebody or somebody could just strip your whole confidence down by just saying something bad about you or whatever. And you can just go like, really, am I really a piece of shit? And this is not even Mm -hmm. like, even though you have no proof of it and just someone is just being evil. But in your case, like you're a person who just you're you're actually saying this stuff, you're doing this stuff, and and you obviously are you don't have any interest in any of this crap, but you know it comes out, and sometimes you know like with some people, you know you'll you let's say a celebrity or so on, you'll see some sort of something that came out twenty years ago that they said this or did this, and you're like aha, we knew it was in there the whole time, and for you mm-hmm. like this is literally in your brain, but it's not something that you think about ever, and it comes out, and people it's hard for people to fathom that you're saying things that you don't think because we all, we all go based on our brains and, and usually the things that come out of our mouth are things that are in our brain. And, mm-hmm. um, and so when someone gets caught doing something, it's like, aha, we knew, but like I said, for your case, it, it's, it's not that at all. And it, it's, it's so hard to comprehend. I mean, I understand it, you know, getting to know, knowing a few people with Tourette's, but the average person, like when they just see somebody spewing whatever kind of hatred out loud, they just think, well, this is just another asshole. that's just acting a fool for no reason. Oh yeah. And like, I've got, I've had friends that have been my friends for years and, you know, understand that I have Tourette's and understand, you know, that I struggle with this and how the way my brain works and stuff. But then 
don't give my son the same compassion with his Tourette's. For whatever reason in their head, you know, I've got a disease and, you know, eh, he's probably faking it. Why the hell would he fake it? Yeah. You know, it's not fun. He he has a harder time with his in a lot of ways than I do. And, you know, I'm really proud of how successful he is at this point in his life. He's got so many more friends and is more popular in school and is, gets along better. Cool. He's made a lot bigger improvements socially and stuff than I had at his point. And I'm very proud of him, how well he does. But, yeah. you know, he still struggles with his tics and he still has rough days. And, you know, for anybody to say that he's faking it for attention pisses me off because that's what they accused me of my whole life when I had this mystery illness that they couldn't figure out because it wasn't easy. And, you know, and it got in my head over years and I, for years I thought I must be faking it for attention. You know, I must have some psychological damage so deep that, you know, makes my legs shake so hard. I can't walk at night. Yeah. I don't know why, but you know, enough doctors tell you it's in your head and you're just trying to get attention. It gets to you. And, you know, it was freeing to finally get a diagnosis and find out that I wasn't alone and a whole lot of other people deal with exactly the same things I do. And you go to a convention and suddenly it's like you're seeing long lost relatives that look just like you and you, you know, oh, I've got that tick too. And, oh, I do that. And, oh, you know, it's, it's amazing. And you're not alone anymore. You're not the only one in the world that's having to suffer with this like you were the day before. And it's great, but then you get home and sometimes still, you know, that self-sabotaging voice in the back of my head that, you know, you, you must have brought this on yourself is still there because they put it there when I was a kid. Yeah. Now, uh, is that hereditary? Like, can you pass that on to your kids? Because obviously oh, yeah. your son has it's, it, so. It's, yeah, it's. It is hereditary. I mean, sometimes sometimes people will come up in a family and swear that nobody in the family, you know, has had Tourette's. The more likely example is that nobody in the family had been diagnosed up until this point. And everybody forgot that, you know, Aunt Nancy used to have real bad allergies when she was a kid and she would sniff and cough and rub her nose all the time. And, you know, Uncle Dan was autistic and, you know, Grandpa Bob, had OCD but was never diagnosed. He was just real picky and would freak out if he didn't do stuff the way he wanted it. And you know, but no, we don't have any we don't have any history, no. Because yeah. they don't know. Like looking back now, it's very clear to see, you know, my dad has ticks. I think he's probably on the autism spectrum, you know, the higher end like me. And uh, you know, he's always had the same trouble reading social cues, making friends does not understand, you know, why people get bent out of shape when he says the brutal truth to them. And But it's the truth. Why are they mad about it? Um, you know, my mom had lots of ticks. My aunt has lots of ticks. Uh, it's really clear now that I understand it better and know more people with Tourette's and can see, see it clear as day now, but none of them were ever diagnosed. Yeah. So... You know, you could very easily say, oh, well, I don't have a family history of it, except I can see it clearly running through the family. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned about your eyes. Are you are you totally blind or is it just ticks that cause your vision to go out? Like, how, how does that work? 
it is ticks that will like cause my eyes to clamp shut on me. Sometimes it's so weird. Sometimes it's like the blink reflex gets switched or something and my eyes will just stay shut and then they'll flash open every so often like they would flash shut to blink. And when it does that, I can deal with that because, you know, I can walk 10 feet and then you get a snapshot of what's going on and like, okay, I course correct, go 10 feet this way, get another flash. Okay, I can keep, that's easy. When they're clamped all the way shut and I don't ever get a glimpse, that's a little bit tougher, but I've learned how to get around. I've learned how to accommodate. I've learned to like, you know, count the rows of chairs in church that, you know, for the pew that we're sitting in and memorize where the doors are and which direction the doorway out is and where did we park and things like that so that, you know, when I can't see, I can still find my, I can still find my way to the bathroom and back. You know, I can get around my whole house fine as day in the dark. You know, I, I have no problem getting around the people before us tiled the entire house for some reason themselves. Ah. So every tile is a little wonky and this one sticks out a little bit. This one's a little crooked. If I'm barefoot, I know exactly where I am in the house with the lights out. And I go four steps this way, and then I dodge the ottoman, and then I go ten steps this way, and I hit the hallway, and then it's home free from there to the bedroom. And I was saying earlier before the show, like, I will forget that my wife can't do that, and I will turn off all the lights when we're going to bed. And she's like, babe, I can't see. Like, oh, sorry, my bad. I'll turn the lights back on so she can see. <laughs> right, right. So I just I don't even think about it anymore. You know, the hardest thing was figuring out how to get the right amount of toothpaste on my toothbrush when I can't see what I was doing. Right. Now uh, now, like you said, you your your eyes are clamped shut. Like if if somebody were to pry your eyes open, could you see? Like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean the eyeballs still work. Right. I just can't get them open to right. see. <laughs> that that's wow, that that is your body just taking So over. I do have ticks in my irises and stuff. And they will go in and out of focus and things, and that that's troublesome. But that doesn't like make me unable to see. It makes me unable to read at times, or like focus on somebody's face because the focus will just keep coming in and out. But I don't have a lot of those anymore. I used to have those when like I was really really bad in the wheelchair all the time. I have a whole lot of ticks in the eyeball, but not so much anymore. Yeah, but they will clamp shut on me quicker. Than anything. Uh, that's that is your body just, just like completely against you. Um, Sometimes. When how long were you in? Because it seems like you didn't get a diagnosis for a while. So how long did you into your life? Did you not know? Uh, or when did you get your diagnosis? Like what? How old were you? I got diagnosed at thirty. Wow. And I wouldn't have gotten diagnosed then, because I had been seeing the best neurological specialist in town. He was a young hotshot, and, you know, I had this strange disease that we were trying to figure out for years, and he found it very interesting at first and ran all of these tests and MRIs and blood scans and all this tests for years, and he finally came to a conclusion and diagnosed me as faking it for attention. And I disagreed, and, like, I wanted to see a movement disorder specialist, so he signed me up with a movement disorder specialist and we spent six months and like $600 to go see this specialist in Little Rock. And this guy was so good. He had me diagnosed before we walked in the door. 
as faking it for attention. Yeah. Turns out the guy wasn't a movement disorder specialist. He was just a guy that my neurologist went to school with, and he sent us there to shut me up. And so I pretty much gave up that I was ever going to get an answer. And then the local weatherman at today's THV in Little Rock did a special and came out and told the world that he had Tourette syndrome. And everybody from church called me frantically one night saying, this guy on TV has Tourette's. He looks just like you. You've got Tourette's syndrome. And I was like, no, I don't because my specialist told me I don't swear. So I can't have Tourette's. And like, that's not it. You don't have to swear. That's not what it is. Just, just go online and watch it. So I go online, I look it up. Sure enough, this guy looks exactly like me. I mean, big heavy dude with a beard and he is just thrashing in this chair back and forth as he's talking about Tourette syndrome and what it is. And it's a neurological disorder that you're born with. It's not a psychological issue. Um, it causes these tics and they can be a variety of things. It's not just a swearing disease. Many people with Tourette syndrome don't swear. And he describes everything I've been going through my entire life. Wow. So I finally go see another neurologist in town. One of, you know, that didn't have the best reputation, the hot shot new guy, go see him. He walks in the door. He's like, diagnosed me right on the spot. Huh. He's like, how long have you had Tourette? He's like, I didn't think I did. He's like, oh, yes, you do. That's exactly what you have. Yeah. And sent me to a specialist in Houston. She said the exact same thing. I started getting treatments and stuff. And I started to study it, learn more about it. And suddenly my whole life made sense. Like my, my rage as a teenager and stuff, you know, this nearly uncontrollable rage I had all that time is a symptom of Tourette that so many kids with Tourette's have. And, uh, you know, all my troubles with executive dysfunction and not being able to organize things and, um, stuff like that. Everything I've ever struggled with suddenly makes sense. All these weird little problems that I had, like holding my breath that I didn't know why I held my breath all the time. Turns out it's been a tick all this time and I didn't realize it. And, what did you tell yourself it was just, for 30 years? Like the holding my breath, I thought everybody did it. <laughs> it wasn't until I was 30 that I found out everybody doesn't do that. But I don't mean just that. I mean all the stuff, the ticks and, and everything. Like what did you, what did you. Like, it was yeah. some mystery illness. For the longest time, I thought it was damage from drug abuse. You know, I figured the drugs that I did in high school and stuff had damaged my brain enough that. You know, it just messed me up. And, well, you, you know, did, you now, did you did them later. looking back, I realized I was self-medicating all that time and actually did a lot of good, probably easing my picks during that time. Yeah. But I didn't know that then. And it wasn't actually until I sobered up that my Tourette's suddenly got so much more severe out of nowhere. And, you know, and then I had to deal with it without the self-medication with the legal substances that I've been doing beforehand. Right. And it was wild. But yeah, I, for the longest time I figured, you know, either I've got some strange disease that they haven't figured out yet, or I just damaged my brain so much, you know, with drugs that, you know, this is, this is my penance for what I did. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I, I forgot that you said early on that your Tourette's got worse over time. 
So it makes yeah. sense that um, maybe you didn't see it as much as a child, but once you finally realize, like, oh, yeah, I have this rare condition. I mean, it was there, and it would it would rear up every so often, like when stress got bad and the pressure got on and, you know, grades were coming in and stuff, and I'd get stressed out and my tics would get worse. And I would miss a week or two of school, and we would go to the doctors, and they would test me for stuff to try and figure out why I was having all these weird symptoms. And then I would do something really weird. Like I remember one time uh, I was at the doctor's and my eyes crossed and I couldn't get them to uncross and they stayed crossed for like three days. And he's like, Oh, see, obviously he's faking it for attention. He's just doing this. Like there's no disease that makes your eyes cross and sent me home. And I remember like my mom yelling at me about it. I can cross my eyes too. You're faking it. You're going to school tomorrow. And I'm just crying. I can't grab the glass of water off the nightstand because I can't focus to find it and I can't get my eyes to uncross and I don't know why and I don't know why my body's doing all these weird things and I don't know why my mind's running a million miles an hour and I'm hearing these songs over and over and over and over faster, 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 faster. But, you know, I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD or anything else at the time and I just had to try and figure out how to make what I had work the best I could. You know, in some ways I'm glad that I didn't have excuses not to try because I will admit with all the people that I've met with Tourette syndrome over the years, I have met a few brats that are just spoiled little turds that hmm. have gotten away with a whole lot of crap because, you know, their parents are like, Oh, he's got Tourette's. Yeah. So they don't like expect them to do like, their chores or behave or, you know, say please and thank you. Oh, they got Tourette's. Well, no, they still need to be a good kid. I mean, you know, like I still had to try and clean my room. I wasn't very good at it, but I had to try and figure out ways to do the best I could with the way my brain works. And, you know, I was still expected to get my homework done and I was still, you know, expected to pass high school and all this stuff and didn't have an easy out of, oh, bless his heart. He's got a disease. Let him get away with it. I'm grateful for that in a way because I would have took advantage of it. I would have either taken advantage of it or I would have been crushed under the depression of it. But, you know. Absolutely. Um, It worked out good for me in the end. That's all that matters, really. (laughs) Um, So what what made you, like, want to get into comics? I am... With the way my brain works, being, you know, wired to run so fast, I have always been extremely creative and have always been a storyteller at heart and, you know, creating new characters and new worlds and new ideas and, you know, new ideas for cartoons and toy lines and movies and all this stuff were just pouring out of me my whole life growing up. And, you know, then certain inspirations led me to want to build stuff and be an engineer. And my mom was not going to take me to the junkyard to get parts unless I gave her a detailed plan of what I wanted to build because she knew I'd bring home everything that looked cool. And so I started drawing more and more and more and more, designing out the things I wanted to build, and the things I wanted to build became more fantastical. And next thing you know, I'm designing Iron Man suits. And then next thing you know, I've just been drawing for years and years and creating all these worlds and characters and then out of all things, I saw a Scooby-Doo episode where uh, a comic book illustrator 
was being haunted by one of his creations. You know, somebody dressed up like the ghost of whatever the superhero was. Right. And um, that was the first time I realized people actually get paid money to do this. Like, it could be your job. You could have an office like this guy in the cartoon and sit at your desk and draw all day. And I was like, oh, man, that's what I want to do. Yeah. And I already sit around and draw all day. I could get paid for this. Let's go. And after that, and I mean, I was like 11, 12, something around that point. After that, it became my full-time job to study and study and study, learn everything I could about the trade and how it's done. And, you know, so that I could get this job when I got out of school. And it only took me getting into my 40s to finally make it my full-time job. <laughs> right. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. Though. You're doing what you always should have been doing and not many people yeah. get to do like their dream job. So it, it's good yeah. that you get to for everything. It's wonderful. You've been through. And, I've, and you know, as a secondary prize, I've always worked in some kind of graphics and I've done all kinds of stuff from carved giant chili dogs for signs on restaurants to made like 40 something fiberglass polar bears for Dixie cafe and, um, done all kinds of signs and t-shirts and murals and stuff over the years. I've learned a whole lot of awesome things. I've had a lot of fun. And now all of this stuff that I've learned over the years from working in print shops and stuff all helps make me one of the better artists in my field at the level I'm working at because I know all the pre-pressed stuff on the other end of the process and how to make it work out well set my stuff up for success in the beginning so we don't have snags down the road you know it's all been very useful so i'm not knocking it but yeah i get to draw superheroes beating each other up all day and that's fun that's all right. and i work all through covid which you would think drawing superheroes is like the quintessential non-essential job mm. but i worked steady i had like usually months of prepaid work ahead of time waiting on me and I just sat here drawing and drawing and having a big time and still am. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, towards the end of the show, I always like to like let the, the guests kind of give advice to someone like a younger version of you and maybe even your son. Um, is there any advice you have for the kid that's going through this, trying to figure this all out, even if he does know what it is? Um, you know, especially like what we were talking about earlier with the, you know, coming to terms with some of the things that you'll say could impact you and, and how it can impact others and how you, you internalize it. Um, do you have any advice for like a young, you know, uh, a young, younger version of you just trying to, that are struggling with their condition? Number one, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. You're going to figure out the things that are going to make your life easier. Surround yourself with good people, supportive people. Um, watch out for the toxic people and, you know, cut them out as quick as you can because it'll, it'll make life easier on you, but you can, you can do pretty much anything you put your mind to, you know, and believe in yourself, work hard, figure out ways to do it. If you have to make some accommodations and do it differently than everybody else, that's fine. Do it differently. Ain't, ain't no problem in that. Do it your way. But, you know, don't give up and think you can't do it just because it might be a little harder than it is for other people. Like I know I struggle with organization and keeping track of things. 
So I'm constantly putting stuff in my calendar, in my phone. I'm constantly setting reminders on Alexa. I am doing whatever I have to do to help help use extra things to handle what I'm not good at and focus on the things that I am good at. And you are good at stuff too. Chase that dream and make it happen. That's awesome. Well, man, it was a pleasure getting to know you, and I'm very happy that you're doing what you're doing. And uh, like I said, you're a good example of, of the disability community and how much we take a lot of shit, but we, we find a way to get back up. And again, maybe that's the, the, the superhero in us, because I think you can make a, there's parallels, not just to X-Men, but just superheroes in general. We're, we're kind of the, I guess, the living version of that, because we have to fight every day and we, we go over, we go through so much and we just keep coming. So um, I, mm-hmm. it was amazing having you on. I hope you keep in touch. Like I said, you ever need a friend or someone to talk to, you're going through your shit, just please reach out anytime. I appreciate that, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll let you and know. If wanna, yeah. anybody, go ahead. If anybody wants to go out and check out my new book on Kickstarter, it's gomrfish.com. It'll take you right there to Green Zone, Life in the Blocks. Check it out. It's a really awesome story, and I really think everybody will enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put everything in the description when the episode comes out. And like I said, you need anything, just reach out. And uh, like I said, you have a good day, all right? All right. You too, man. Thank yeah. you. All right, brother. No problem. Bye. All right, guys, that was uh, delightful. Um, yeah, he was a really sweet guy. I'm just happy people like him just exist because it just it, it makes us look so good um, in so many ways. Like just just how motivated he is and just how happy he is, even though he goes through so much shit and, and pain and things he has to, you know, work out in his mind. Um, he knows that his body is is against him, especially his brain, and he just keeps coming. Um, and keeps finding ways to just, he gets knocked down. He gets, he just gets right back up. Maybe, maybe not right away, but he gets up no matter what, no matter what you throw at him. And that's just fantastic. And, um, people like that just help keep me going because that's, that's what I go through and it's, it's not easy, but you know, um, I may not have asked for this, but you know what? It is what it is. I'm still here. And, and there's a lot of us that aren't, and, um, you know, trying to live for those people, trying to live for the people that just can't get out of that, get out of their own way and can't get out of the, the, the pain and things that he and I were discussing. So, um, yeah, guys, um, I hope all is well. Um, thank you for all your support and, uh, you know, share with anybody, you know, it could help because there's somebody out there that has Tourette's or any type of neurological disorder or just someone who's just going through depression or whatever, you know. There's people out here that are struggling too, and you're not alone. So, um, here, here. See you guys next week. Same time, same channel. See, I can do a Batman reference. This is comic book shit. I'm, I'm hip to the nerdness. No, I, I've always liked comics, and, and, and uh, I just could never really read them because of my vision was shitty. But I've always, I was always in, intrigued by the imagery and, and, um, you know, just. And you know, I love all the the Marvel stuff. I just watched the new Spider Man movie, and um, so I, I just it just it's good to get lost in another another dimension. Um, so yeah, guys, see you later, and uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, bye bye.